if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. The long-awaited Episode 5, after a four-week hiatus. Gosh, how much has happened. It's incredible. After the death of our beloved Sovereign, the week after um, our last show, when um, Arteta flew too close to the sun, as we put it. Uh, and then the Queen's funeral the following Monday, and then an international break. So uh, we've had a little bit of Premier League football in between, and then a bumper weekend just now, which we're going to discuss tonight with uh, Derby Day disasters for two of us and a gritty nil-nil for the other. Uh, my name's Alexander Gross. I'm your host and uh, author of Over the Line, A History of the England-Germany Football Rivalry. Out now in shops if you can find it, given the distribution nightmare in the country. Uh, and with me, as usual, is uh, Nick Gilmer, the Manchester United fan. And I dare say, as usual, having to pick the bones through another disastrous uh, big game <laughs> performance. Yeah, looking forward to that. I think it's actually just disrespectful that we're still playing football. And I was ready for another week off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, over there on the Isle of Man is exiled Leeds fan George Harker, who's... Uh, happy enough with this week's point I suppose yeah better than you two so yeah good evening <laughs> thanks for that yeah so you two uh have both had what was it 20 odd days your team 29 odd days without yeah. a match yeah 29 well, without Premier League we, we, we slept around Europe but um yeah without Premier yeah, League. yeah. Uh, so th- well, season's gonna be in three tranches isn't it <laughs> yeah no Europe That's for George of course uh, mm. worth, worth adding um, <laughs> an early low blow <laughs> yeah we, we played in the in that uh, week when there were some cancellations before the Queen's funeral um, we had uh, an unreasonably difficult time of it against Leicester bottom of the league Leicester um, 3-2 with an hour or so gone and then uh, Conte brings on Son Chung Min uh, just before his International break, he's had a bad start to the season, or he's certainly out of sorts, it seems. And then he uh, banged in three fantastic goals, including goal of the month, uh, as voted last night. Uh, so that was a nice 6-2 win for Spurs, but uh, not quite as convincing as another side who scored six uh, recently, Nick. But we'll get to that, there's time. Also in that week, when your two teams didn't play, we saw um, Nottingham Forest lose their second game in a row, 3-2 at home, to a promoted side. That's going to hurt for them, I think. Um, they lost 3-2 about, to Bournemouth. It's, become, it's about to become three, because they're already 3-0 nil down. <laughs> and it's yeah. not even half-time away, away so at Leicester. They, they lost 3-2 <laughs> at home battle. to Bournemouth, 3-2 at home to Fulham, and now George is doing a watch-along for us, Monday Night Football there at Leicester, and uh, getting hammered. Man City with a 3-0 win at Wolves, who have just lost their manager, Bruno Large. We've been talking about how dreadfully boring they are. Um, Newcastle were held to a draw by Bournemouth at St. James's Park. Um, Arsenal won at Brentford, and I was uh, annoyed that they got to play there at lunchtime because I've made the point before that playing at Brentford at lunchtime is very different to playing there at nighttime. And uh, this was an example of that. 
And then um, Everton beat West Ham 1-0. Um, West Ham never had much luck against Toffees, so uh, not much of a surprise there. Uh, then we break. Uh, then we had a break for the internationals, uh, and we'll be talking about that in part two of tonight's show because um, Nick and I went together to Wembley to see England versus Germany, which of course for me personally is uh, very important given the book that I've just finished. But um, we have to start with this weekend's uh, bumper return to Premier League action, which featured two big derbies. Um, our big derby away at Arsenal and Nick's big derby away at Man City and neither ended very well. Uh, other headlines are that um, Liverpool's uh, flower of confidence was again trampled on, as uh, put it very poetically, by uh, Brighton. They've still only got maximum points in two Premier League matches this year, chaps. Can you believe it? Uh, that's sort of happy part of the weekend for you, isn't it? Yeah, that was as good as it got, really. Yeah. It's difficult. Well, it's just difficult to know who's in crisis, who's in the bigger crisis, because on the face of it, United are above them in the league. But I just think United are so brittle. Um, I would be surprised if it stays that way for long. Yeah, indeed. Um, I think so would most people. Fulham had uh, Chalabar sent off early on and went down 4 1 to Newcastle, who had a rare, fun day in London. Crystal Palace took the lead against Chelsea and we were excited about that. But Chelsea, to their credit, scored two fantastic goals through Aubameyang and Conor Gallagher to win that one. Uh, had the to late... be him, didn't it? Go on, sorry. No, I just said it had to be Gallagher, didn't it? His first ever goal for Chelsea against the team that have made him, yeah, uh, you know, worth talking about. <laughs> and another yeah. non-celebration from a former low knee, yes. Mm. Um, and... Uh, the late TV offering on Saturday was a bit um, unattractive since it involved Wolves, but um, West Ham did well. Skamaka scored a great goal. Bowen is back on form. Maybe he can still get himself into the World Cup squad. I'd like to see that. Um, and Everton, uh, quite remarkably, I would say, got an away win at Southampton. Really didn't expect that. Uh, great goal from Dwight McNeil um, at the end, but uh, we know that Southampton are hit and miss. Um, what else? We've got Bournemouth goalless with Brentford. Not much to say about that one. Leeds, Villa, goalless. Likewise, but uh, I'm sure there will be something to say about that one, George. Plenty, and, plenty. Uh, yeah, and that, and that rounds up uh, a big weekend. So um, all the headlines are the Manchester derby. Nick, I'm afraid we do have to come to you. Um, <laughs> I watched this with you. I had the privilege of sitting beside you. It wasn't quite like watching uh, the 7-1 with the Brazilian. But um, Henry Winter in the Times today said, uh, wrote numerous times that uh, the scoreline was a lie and that there's no way that 6-3 uh, represents what really happened. Um, there was even a frisson of excitement among those Man United fans that had stayed when Anthony scored one to make it 4-1 in the second half, wasn't there? But... Um, if we start at the beginning, as we should, uh, it was just uh, downright scary, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think um, the, I mean, City are so far ahead of everyone. I almost want to pretend that the weekend didn't happen and we'll just ignore City and United have had a week off. Um, but we did it's that, George? to get away from the fact. 
Uh, no. <laughs> if we can just do an Asian <laughs> Handicaps League, we'll do like how in Scotland you can bet on the league excluding Celtic and Rangers. I think the Premier League is getting to a place now. Albeit they're not top, I don't think that's going to last long either. Um, I think that you should just exclude City from the conversation. because well, I quite fancy us to win it then. I joke with my Man City supporting neighbour that, oh, you must be six, seven points clear now. And he said, no, no, Arsenal are top. I think I just subconsciously write yeah. Arsenal off yeah. out of the title title challenge that will pitter away that they've more or less won the league already. Probably, but. I think they have. And I think the evidence of the first half suggests why they will. They are now, I think, as close to the best footballing team I've ever seen with Haaland. I think they've got everything. Um, and they look like a, a footballing project that's reaching its absolute peak. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, United being dreadful, mentally brittle, not able to complete a pass, really will help them out. <laughs> but I think City turned up in the mood, and if they do that, no one else is going to lay a glove on them. So, Nick, we watched both games uh, together this weekend, Arsenal Spurs and um, the Manchester Derby. A, a similar um, suffering for both our teams in a way. Um, we sat in and uh, for large periods didn't even try to do anything offensively, which I've complained about many times on the show. Um, but um, our problem was lack of quality uh, in the forward passing when we did have the ball, when we did have opportunities to counter. That was quite similar for um, United, wasn't it? And I think we're a little bit better. Our players are a little bit better than yours. And City are somewhat better than Arsenal. And that's why the score was 6-3 instead of 3-1 at the Emirates. But essentially, yeah. it was the same match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was very similar. I think United on the ball were much poorer than Spurs. Spurs were, weren't great, actually. Like right. the, final, the final ball was always... A skew for Spurs, whereas United didn't get that far. Like they, they yeah. barely complete a pass in their own half, um, and they did shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, if you really want to get into the detail, you would look at the Varane injury costing them the marking at the corner. That's one goal. He was then Holland then escaped him for the the goal immediately after while he was limping. Yeah, so that's two goals that United have chucked in. But to be honest, six three flattered United and. Um, there's no point getting into the detail of the individual goals because if United had scored another, City would have put their foot down and got 7-8. Yeah. Yeah. So it just shows the gulf between the two. And I think the worst reflection on United is just that it's not a surprise now. Like This happened against Spurs probably two years ago when United lost 6-1 and Solskjaer described it as the worst day they've ever had in football. And now it's just another result, you know. Mm -hmm pick your ball up and go home. We'll start again next week against Everton. And it's becoming too regular that this United team fold under any sort of pressure. And City knew it within two set. you know, the first kickoff, they went down the other end of the goal mouth scramble, put the pressure on United buckled. They couldn't handle the pressure. And I think what Ten Hag has to do very quickly is take control of games because this United team can't handle going behind. Um, yeah. So Jonathan Wilson in The Guardian today made the point that uh, the big score lines are becoming normalised and that 6-3 uh, wasn't even that much of a surprise as you sort of outlined just then. Uh, but you would lay that at the door of United and all your big thrashings in the last few months and years rather than the fact that things are becoming too easy for this City team, would you? Um, 
or a bit of both? I think it's a bit of both. I think the best of pulling away and getting better. Um, and I think the, the the worst run clubs, I'm not going to get into the debate about who's spending money because that doesn't make you a good team automatically. Mm-hmm. But the worst run clubs are at best treading water and at worst getting further away. I mean, even, even Liverpool, who are probably the best run club in the country, bar City, they are getting further away from City. Yeah. And and they are as good as they have been in 20 years, and yet City aren't aren't even within a punch of them. And I think that you know that's not a good thing long term. We don't want to become a league like the French league, but I think it's where we're getting to with this incredible manager and this incredible City team. Nothing lasts forever; it's cyclical. Yeah, it will come to an end. But right now, City will have the league won by the World Cup, and everyone else is playing for second place it is it is cyclical but at the same time man city just seem to make these these signings at the right time don't they like yeah liverpool yeah. liverpool had such a average non-event summer where they haven't addressed their key weaknesses seen the biggest um piece of business for them to do was to tie salad down an aging salad well, uh, the irony is they bought that Darwin Nunes for 80 million and Firmino is now undroppable. Yeah. So he's stuck on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic yeah, uh, couple of games for Firmino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wanted to give you a bit of hope, Nick. You actually yeah. won the second half. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to turn up once the game's over. But the, um, I mean, United are full of problems. I think we've talked about them before and I won't bore the pod listeners with, with it all over again. I think the mentality is just so bereft i mean and ten hag has obviously been given a fright he was raging at players not following instruction he was raging at the mentality um i think he made a mistake why would you not play casemiro when rodri yeah missing? i was about to say that mm. yeah i think casemiro in that leaving mctonomenay and ericsson alone in that midfield against all those city players yeah. and i've got a horrible theory and i hope i'm wrong but it'd be very on brand i think that united have panicked after those first two results and bought a midfielder, the only, only midfielder they could get their hands on, and he's a midfielder that the manager doesn't want. And it, it would absolutely sum United up to a T over the last decade, spend all summer on a player they don't want, and then panic buy for a player the manager doesn't want. But you're still not playing a player that's clearly, in every sense, better than what you're playing. Putting exactly. out, Even if he's not your signing, you, you're talking about a serial winner. Um made no sense to me why he didn't start at all yeah and you've got you've got Ronaldo on the bench if you're talking about serial winners and players who are vastly Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. than anyone else five subs ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo is really incredible yeah and I think um if if this develops into a battle between manager and board I think the evidence of Rangnick suggests it will be the board who who win so Mm -hmm. uh it's all you know not a lot of reason for optimism but as as other people have pointed out United are on the back of four wins and Whilst they're probably not as bad as I suggested after the first couple of weeks, they're probably not as good as I suggested after the last couple. They're probably about the seventh or eighth best team in the league. So they'll finish around fourth or fifth in a good season or eighth or ninth in a bad. And likewise, I don't need to repeat all my misgivings about Fonte's tactics in the big matches. I am fed up with just sitting back and uh, hoping for the best. And you mentioned the two two or three goals maybe where you uh, gave them a hand. 
Um, certainly, we did that too. Uh, the first goal, you could say it's a, a brilliant long strike from Thomas Partey. My opinion is that if you stand back that much, you absolutely deserve that. It's, you know, you're inviting them to try. And if they've got the quality, they deserve to score. And uh, then the second goal was uh, ludicrous just after half time when we should be really switched on and playing better and coming out uh, with a new and reinforced mentality. Then <laughs> we just like make these horrible mistakes and it goes through uh, Larissa's arms. And uh, yeah, so we handed it to them as well. And then there's the individual error of um, Emerson's uh, tackle. Nick and I agreed when watching that 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 was not an obvious red card and we didn't understand why the BT yeah. commentators were so keen to damn uh, Emerson Royale uh, for for the stupidity of his challenge. Um, it was stupid in terms of he didn't need to make the challenge over there on the touchline, but I didn't think it was a straight red necessarily. Um, and then Jonathan Pierce, the commentator on match day, agreed with us, but everyone in the studio uh, again, thought it was a clear red, so it's a bit of a weird one. Um, as, as soon as the boots higher than the ankle, commentators lose their heads. Yeah, it's, it's, there's nothing in the rules about contact, what part of the leg, but as soon as it's yeah, it was a, I thought it was an honest challenge, and I didn't see, I didn't see it as a bad myself a either. Overdone, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think, gonna... I think that's what's done for him is the reaction of uh, Martinelli. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was a harmless trip. I mean, he wasn't out of control. I thought it was really strange. And I thought the reaction was weirder, actually, the clamour for a red card. Yeah. Well, let's draw a line under that. Um, all I can cling on to is it wasn't quite as bad as our last visit there under Nuno, which was an utter disaster. So um, at least there were some flashes here. Um, <laughs> good perspective. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't know what Nick can cling on to. Um, you've got uh, Goodison Park under the floodlights next. That doesn't sound too easy but uh, maybe it's just what you need that fact so. yeah I uh, I mean to be honest just excited about a Sunday night match very strange but uh, we'll take it Everton is probably about as good as we could hope for off the back of mauling by City Over the Line is the exciting new book by Alexander Gross on the unparalleled rivalry between England and Germany. It is an in-depth look at 120 years of Anglo-German encounters, from the Christmas truce to the recent success of Gareth Southgate's England. Over the Line is available on Amazon and all good bookstores from the 12th of September. Hello and welcome back to part two and it's time to go to Ellen Road once more and talk to George about his beloved Leeds. So uh, the home match against Nottingham Forest on a Monday night was cancelled and then uh, Man United away was cancelled ostensibly because of a lack of police resources. I think you were happy about that one. Yes, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) So that meant uh, a month without a game since your... um, Terrible disintegration at uh, the Lego Stadium, as you call it, at Brentford. And really, um, it's been a it's been a long time now, maybe six weeks um, since that glorious win against Chelsea last time you won, and that good start of the season. So mm. there was there was some trepidation going into Aston Villa at home yesterday, prime time on Super Sunday, uh, given that um, they won three 0 
at your place in I think it was Jesse Marsh's first game, was it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. and there was there were calls for his head straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so um I think as far as I can tell, everybody or almost everybody at Leeds is happy with Marsh now. And yep. um this was a good performance, mm-hmm. a drab mm-hmm. game, but certainly a gritty one. And lots of uh, meaty challenges. Uh, yeah. What's your reflections on it? Uh, yeah, you're right. And uh, I think after that Brentford drubbing, which, God, was, it still seems such a long time ago, it, it was good just to get a clean sheet because, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously Nick can vouch for conceding a lot of goals against Brentford. Um, it's it, <laughs> Maybe it's not as bad as it seems, but... Um, yeah, it was that was a, that was a good thing to do. But the first half was was just terrible. It was I think it was the most fouls in a half of Premier League football um, for two seasons. I think I heard it, it was just stop start. It was yeah hard to get involved, hard to get interested in it. Um, there's this weird needle between Leeds and Aston Villa, which you you two might not remember because it was a lower league game, but. Oh, I remember the um, the incident with um, Pontus Janssen and the goal. Yes. Yeah, I do remember that. Bielsa. Can you, can you summarise it for uh, our listeners? Uh, so I was actually at the game. Um, Leeds scored a breakaway goal with an Aston Villa player down injured. And Bielsa, in his honest um, ways, demanded that he, we let Aston Villa walk the ball into the net. But one of our defenders, who now plays for Brentford, Pontus Janssen, didn't didn't like that idea and tried to stop it happening, <laughs> and was uh, was subsequently sold a couple of months later. Um, yeah. And Bielsa actually won the FIFA Fair Play Award for that actual act of generosity. Nice. But yeah, ever since then, and sorry, I missed out the fact that Bamford got someone sent off for pretending to get hit in the face. So there's just yeah, this needle with Villa, and it, it, from the from the first few minutes you could have guessed someone was going to get sent off mm-hmm. and and in the end it ended up being Luis Sinistera who probably the last player I'd want to get sent off he's on a brilliant run of of scoring for club and country he scored a brace for Colombia um in the break yeah um but it was it, it, it wasn't even a I don't want to say a good red but it wasn't even a, a red worth getting you got a second yellow for blocking a free kick which is just yeah. pathetic Sunday It reminded stuff. me of an incident we had on the pod last season where Raul Jimenez did that at Man City, yes. remember? Yes, I remember. Yeah. 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 We did call that uh, mm-hmm. thick-headed as well. And I, I've not spoken to, read or heard from a Leeds fan who doesn't think it was a red card and thinks he's mm. an idiot. It, it's the consistency that drives people mental. And uh, I think you were watching it, weren't you, Alex? And yeah. in the second minute... Um, Leon Bailey committed a foul and booted the ball like to yeah. the other side of the pitch and got nothing for it. Like it shouldn't matter what minute an offence is committed. Well, um, we had one in the Manchester derby where Dallow got booked. Yes, after, what was that? Four minutes, Nick. Mm-hmm. And we we both commented that 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 Michael Oliver had gone early with that one. Shouldn't matter though, really, mm. should it? There's nothing in the rules about the minute of the game that an yeah. offence happens. Um, I'm just saying, the commentators always mention that he's, yeah, they always do. Yeah. He put himself in a pickle by booking him that early. <laughs> It's it's up there with um, a foul being different if it's inside the box. It's a yes. foul, you know, yeah. or always gripes over me. So very happy to get away with a draw, to be honest, because you go down to ten men in the I think it was the forty seventh minute. It was very early in the second half. But I said to you off air about 
that shows how inept Gerard seems to be. I mean, he didn't make any changes off the back of that red card mm-hmm. uh, offensively until the 86th minute. I think he brought Danny Ings on. It's like, well, it's too late to make a difference. And Melier made a couple of saves, Coutinho hit the post. But of course nothing. he did. <laughs> he had quite a bad game. I will, I'll admit that. <laughs> There's lots of flapping. Um, but yeah, sorry, take the point, clean sheet. Uh, we've stopped a bit of a bit of a rot. I've, I've, I've said before on this pod that I did worry about that day in the sun against Chelsea. Uh, you, yeah. you don't tend to have those results and and go on a good run. Um, so we've stopped the rot and we've got Palace away next, which is a very, very winnable game um, before hopefully we can start the uh, the um, the Arsenal falling away. We've got Arsenal at home the week after, which yeah, is you can, you can do quite tasty. Yeah, potentially quite tasty. What time is that kickoff? It's on TV. If I, I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, it's, it's on TV definitely. Hopefully, after uh, Leeds fans have had some lubrication. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Palace away next. Um, doable. Yeah, and then you play uh, the strugglers Leicester as well. Yeah. Um, oh, strugglers no more. It seems. Still three right, nil. Up. Still three nil. Yeah, Monday mm. night uh, on the watch along. Yeah. So do we think that uh, Gerard is just a bit cautious in the in the way that uh, Southgate is, uh, as most football writers say, or um, what do we think about Gerard's management? I, from from what I saw on on Sunday was just that he has he has a lot of attacking talent at his disposal there. He's yeah. about Coutinho and Buendia. Watkins is a proven goal scorer in the Premier League and. Quite similar so, to Leicester, yeah. Much yeah, better players yeah. than their results. Abs- yeah. That's that's exactly right. But this, there was so much backward passing, uh, even when they were, uh, you know, a man better off than us. Um, so not much ambition, I guess I'd say, that seemed not much uh, risk-taking. And like I said, he, he didn't make an attacking change till near the end of the game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there, there seemed to be a lot of grumblings, Um from, from Villa fans' reaction that I, I listened to. Um, and I can see why after what... That's honestly the first Villa game I've seen this season, so I can I can see where they're, where they're coming from. Yeah, they had a win over Southampton in the last match day, and uh, they beat Everton earlier on in the season. Otherwise, very thin gruel for Villa fans. Mm. It strikes me that Gerard would have probably been a better director of football because he seems to have used his contact book to bring in all these players that are, frankly, above mm. Villa. Mm. And uh, yet he can't get you know, on paper, they've got one of the best squads in that at that part of the league. I think you, you know, is a Champions yeah. League player. And I think you mentioned this in the previous pod. How do you keep players like that motivated? Like, what yeah. Coutinho's just missed out on the Brazil squad, so you think he's going to miss out on the World Cup now? So he's just going to be disgruntled for the next few months. Um, sitting, sitting around Birmingham for a few weeks, yeah, yeah, can't think of anything worse. <laughs> Okay, so I've mentioned Southgate briefly. Uh, let's think about the international break that's just gone. England went to the San Siro to play Italy, and it was a horrible performance, really. He played uh, Saka at left wing back, didn't work at all. Um, very disjointed performance. And uh, Italy, rather like in the Euros final, um, scored in the second half, I think, was it? And, uh, and won 1-0. Uh, so that was five Nations League games out of the available six where uh, Southgate had won, plus that hammering against Hungary. So he went into this Germany game on the Monday night, on the 26th of uh, September, with immense pressure on him. Um, really Already relegated. 
I'm already relegated from the Nations League. Uh, some people don't think that matters at all, but obviously it doesn't look good. And it means <laughs> playing some lesser teams in the next edition, which which will make people who are already fed up with the uh, international breaks in the competition even less amenable to it. But yeah, uh, immense pressure. And then uh, one of the biggest rivals uh, of all for, for England come to town, uh, Germany under Hansi Flick, who had in their last match um, in June beaten Italy 5-2 um, with a very good performance, but then lost to this Hungary side who are surprising everybody and who uh, get great results wherever they go and now won in Germany for the first time in many years. Um, so you had two teams uh, coming off bad results to Wembley on this Monday night um, in a ostensible dead rubber last game before the World Cup. And the first half was pretty dead, um, sort of slow pace, uh, not many shots on goal, not much happening. Um, Nick and I were there uh, together. And um, at halftime, I suppose we thought, well, yeah, that's sort of what we expected Um I was still very much interested in having researched the history of this fixture. And it was the 14th time that uh, Germany had visited Wembley, the 35th, 35th time they'd met each other since the first official meeting in 1930. So I had all sorts of statistics and uh, other interests in the game. But quite frankly, um, the first half wasn't very good. And it looked to be heading that way. And then Germany got a penalty. Uh, yeah, just about uh, six or seven minutes into the second half, Gundogan converted a penalty given away stupidly by the beleaguered Harry Maguire. And then um, they scored a second through um, a great shot from Havertz when Maguire again gave the ball away. And Nick, you turned to me and said what? Um, I was just hoping for something sort of era-changing, a 4 or 5 nil Germany win. Yeah. Um, you were and you wanted some masochism. I did. I, I wanted to and see. And the atmosphere was sour in that place. It was fair to say. It was. I wanted an I was there moment, and yeah. uh, I haven't got a lot of time for the England fans who have that sort of entitlement that we should be the best in the world. And yet they are turning on their manager. So I thought, let's just watch some history in, in action. Yeah, and uh, we did get an absolutely explosive end to the game, but not in the manner that we might have expected um, because England came back with three goals in 11 minutes and it's fair to say that the mood inside Wembley changed, didn't it? Yeah, and I've got a huge soft spot for Southgate in the last sort of, although those 20 minutes after the goal, after the the second Germany goal was as good as England have played since the the World Cup um, or since the Euros rather. Um, And... And it shows that the players are still there for the manager, which I'm really pleased about because I think with what Southgate's achieved, he should be able to pick when he leaves and not be driven out by some numbskulls in the match before the World the uh, the World Cup comes around. I feel like, I mean, how stupid do you have to be to want want the England manager who's had the most success since the 60s yeah. out without any sort of matches beforehand? Don't do, you, do, do you think whatever happens out in the desert he's leaving after yes. the tournament it feels that way to me I, I know he's under contract for another year but I, I don't really see the point of that when yeah agreed I I oh it'll be another Euros won't it of course because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's another short 18 gap. months to the Euros yeah. yeah but it just feels like the end doesn't it it just um, yeah and no, I agree I think he'll go on his terms and I think he'll go whatever happens uh, yeah I think he should as well if I'm building a career and I'm Southgate his stock is never going to be higher than coming out of that World Cup even if England don't do very well Mm-hmm. And, and do you know what? It'll probably be a blessing in disguise if we get a couple of easy Nations League games because mm-hmm. it means the new manager can thrash a few people. In That's the a fair point. Game. 
any thoughts on and not that he's gone yet we shouldn't talk about yeah. success I was I actually was hoping it'd be Potter but obviously that's not going to happen now unless he, Chelsea bin him off yeah there's, <laughs> there's a chance that both Eddie Howe and Potter could be on the job market couldn't they mm. by um by the winter I I don't know I, I really like I, I think the EFA have had success promoting from within the South mm. they might look from within I don't know it's not no, Lee Carsley <laughs> Lee Carsley does the under, under 21s does he yeah, yeah, so, yeah I think he's ready he, just he's yet. not ready can I can I rein you both in a little bit since we've somehow ended up talking about Lee Carsley <laughs> managing England? I think that's probably <laughs> probably a step too far just before the World Cup, as Nick rightly says. Nick, I don't like the numbskulls either, as you know, um, especially being half German. Um, but to be fair, it's not just them, is it? Because uh, the likes of Henry Winter... Bonner, They're as bad as them. They're as bad as All the people covering uh, the England team are also saying that the problem is that um, he's too cautious. And I, I know where you're coming from when you say they're as bad as, as anyone and uh, they're part of the problem. They always have been. I've just written about 100 years' history of the uh, England football team. So I know that the press have caused many problems over the years um, and, and have hardly helped the team succeed. However, um, I would just say, didn't we have evidence here in 10 or 15 minutes of what England are capable of when they play with the handbrake off. And I know that I got carried away through that first half, just leaning over to you in the seats and saying to you, they're playing Conte football, because I'm so annoyed <laughs> with Spurs as well. And uh, I've registered it on here before about paying my money to the go to Spurs stadium and seeing this sitting back, um, this sort of away team mentality, even though you're at home. We very much saw that from England in that, in that first half, the passivity, um, the willingness to let Germany have it, and let them come at them. Um, and it was when they went 2-0 down and the atmosphere turned really sour and it was almost too late to turn back from the edge of the cliff that they, they uh, Southgate's England played with what Barney Roney called with the waistcoat off <laughs> and uh, really good. went for it and played brilliantly, as you rightly said. Um, Shaw was a highlight for me. Luke mm. Shaw, um, a great ball for one of the chances from Sterling that he missed. Um, and then the the dual substitution of Saka and Mount really worked. Yeah. Wonderful from Saka, great finish from Mount. Saka changed um, the game. Watching yeah, it on Saka TV, changed game, yeah. completely changed the game, and it's, it's difficult to see how you leave him out, especially if Arsenal are going to continue the way they are. Mm, yeah, he was, so, he was so great just, against Spurs, and and also very good against United as well. But he you, is, yeah. you can't not start Foden, can you? I mean, it's a difficult one. I have even put him into my fantasy team, uh, despite the fact that he wears the red shirt of Arsenal. Um, But um, yeah, let me just summarise by saying, um, surely that game, in sort of saving his skin by by getting the draw from 2-0 down against Germany, and really it was a win, but for the lamentable error by Nick Pope, uh, they, they, they should have seen it out and beat Germany at home, which would have been a major result, always is. Um, so didn't didn't the game actually prove what these uh, writers who accompany England everywhere, home and away, have been saying throughout this Nations League campaign? That he just and 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 off the back of the defeats at the end of the great runs in twenty eighteen and twenty twenty one, that ultimately when it comes down to it, that he lacks that bravery. And I don't mean now playing Grealish and something as facile as that. I just mean like playing with a bit more ambition, letting the team play, uh, because they did mm. here for a few minutes. They took matters into their own hands and they thrilled the uh, 
80 odd thousand crowd, didn't they? I think this is my problem with the Nations League because we are essentially judging him on a friendly. And, and you and I know from being there that it was not high level elite margins football. Yeah. It was a fun kickabout at the end of a yes. tournament that no one really cared about. So I think reading too much into the style will be risky anyway. I think also international football is not full of gung-ho teams winning. I, actually, I think the, the success Southgate has had is he is, he is one of the best game managers I've seen. The England-Germany the, the England match in the Euro is being a great example of how he managed a match through to... Yeah. Uh, and you know, he stifled one of the best teams in Europe. And, and he's done that in the tournaments numerous times. And, and even, you know, extending that to elite football in Europe, I think, you know, the gung-ho team in Europe is City, and they've not won the Champions League yet. The team that won it last year was Real Madrid, who stifled another excellent... I know, team. I think City only look gung-ho now that they have Haaland. I think gung-ho over the last few years has been Liverpool. Yeah, and, and they've not... They've got a couple of cups and the COVID league... And that's that. That's what they did win the Champions League, though. Couple of cups. I would, <laughs> I would just slightly counter that. I, I am a Southgate fan. I put that out there. I, I'm not. I, I'm not being over the critical here. I just his two biggest games where we've just fallen short. In yeah. both games, we've taken the lead. Yeah. And in both games, we end up sat back. In, in the yeah. Italy game, it was criminal. Italy were there for the taking all day long. They were offering. You were there, nothing. of course, George. And and I didn't see. Uh, Donnarumma make another save I don't think after we yeah. scored and it's just absolutely criminal Croatia we had them on the ropes um, if memory serves me right didn't manage to get a second for half time and then came out a different team second half sat back allowed Modric to take control of the middle yeah so I, I maybe if if this is his swan song maybe he will let, this, the, the, let the waist go off that's brilliant yeah, um, I hope so. because what's he got to lose no um, reason not to against the States and the Iran no. yeah the, ga- the group games should be a, should be a doddle. I, I don't want to see an England team go for the throat against an Argentina or a Brazil <laughs> or a Italy. I think we would be exposed as naive, which happens tournament after tournament. Well, if we take the lead, try and I, I think that's a fair advantage. Point. Yeah, and I think that's a really fair point. Italy, to a certain extent, certainly Croatia, England could have beaten on the day yeah. and, and seemed to get the wobbles. And that, obviously, you have to pin on the manager to but but to get to those points he no, yeah. constantly managed a tournament albeit both tournaments gave him the luck of the draw we'd have, we'd have been bad by France anyway <laughs> exactly and I, what I don't want is is him to just you know to park his principles and then go for France mm. because mm. Mbappe will have us on <laughs> especially especially Maguire. Maguire's player Mbappe yeah. versus Maguire a generational ever. a generational matchup Although it's more likely to be Smaldini, isn't it? Smaldini, the uh, the renaissance of Chris Smalling at Roma. Um, I think there's got to be a case for him to be in England squad I, ahead of Tyrone Ings. Great if, win for Roma at Inter this weekend that Nick is referencing with a goal from Chris Smalling. Uh, delightful. Did you see the footage from Mourinho? Because he was he was banned, so he watched yeah. it in the back of a van. <laughs> no, I didn't <laughs> did see live sto- I did Instagram live stories watching it's it. Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's vintage Jose. I think one thing Southgate will never do, he's never going to put a new face in the squad now without, you know, seeing them in a season. Ivan Tony. Well, no, I mean, for the World Cup now, he's not going to put Smalling no. in now out of nowhere, unfortunately. Oh, I right, do no, think no. the, I mean, it's probably a spin-off pod on Maguire alone, but I do think it's a massive risk if he backs Maguire because Maguire, yeah, a, and he said like he would. Before, as a duty of care, Maguire should not be put 
out on football pitches with elite players at the moment. He yeah. has never need, never have I seen a footballer need a break more than he does. Some pastoral care. Yeah, not exactly. I'm not massively convinced he's actually injured. No, no, I, I think that was for his own safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eric knows. Okay, welcome back to a brief part three where we talk about the week coming up. Um, George is just watching uh, Monday Night Football, Leicester, Nottingham Forest for us. You've just uh, recognised someone playing as fullback for uh, Nottingham Forest. We, it's place from the past that we didn't know played for them. Even with my transfer knowledge, um, it's hard to keep track of Nottingham Forest's activity. And um, yeah, it's Serge Aurier has just yeah. come off the bench <laughs> for Nottingham Forest. And I quipped that I, I don't think he's the kind of player that's going to keep them in the Premier League. But um... No, he's the kind of player that will spin <laughs> off a few games, I can tell you that. <laughs> Famous ex-Tottenham Hotspur liability. So, the week coming up, we've got Europe first. So, the standout game is probably in- involving Premier League sides. is probably Chelsea at home to AC Milan. That looks tasty. Mm. Um, especially since Chelsea needs something in that group, having not won yet. They drew with Salzburg and lost away at Dinamo Zagreb. There's another thing that we didn't quite cover uh, over the last month. I watched that game with a Chelsea fan. It was delightful because... Um, Dinamo hadn't left their half yet when they scored their only goal and um, was in front of a raucous crowd down there in Zagreb. So it's a really good um, tea time offering that I assumed would be quite dull, but turned out to be very much worth watching. I also went to Tottenham Marseille in our first game of the group in the Champions League and uh, Richarlison saved an otherwise dour performance with two magnificent headers and they beat them 2-0. But then we lost 2-0 with two late goals in Lisbon at uh, Sporting. So we are similarly in dire need of a good result when we go to Frankfurt uh, this midweek and then the following week we're at home to them and I'll be at that match. Um, the other Champions League side, of course, is that our Manchester City and Liverpool. Liverpool have the first of a double header against Rangers. God knows what Ugh. that town centre will look like the next God. morning. The commentary um, will be nauseating as well. Manchester City at home to Copenhagen. Be interesting to see whether Haaland gets a rest for that. Uh, otherwise, it could be quite messy. Um, I meant to mention that before. Sorry, I'm talking about Manchester derby. How little rotation Pep's doing this season. Yeah. It's quite yeah. terrifying. It's yeah. just Grealish and Mares, isn't it? He seems to be... Interesting for fantasy football as well, because most fantasy yeah. players uh, leave City alone, don't they? Because they mm. don't know who's going to play. But this season, it looks more predictable. Do you yeah, think he's, um, he's thinned the squad a bit, hasn't he? Like mm-hmm. Sterling going, it does, it does feel That's like... Right. Yeah. I didn't do my weekly Carvin Phillips watch, did I? Um, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you didn't miss anything. Out, out of action. Um, he's been, been to the Trafford Centre. No, he's had a shoulder <laughs> operation, so he'll probably miss the World Cup as well. So he's really not made a good choice at all. Anyway, moving on. Arsenal are at home to Bodo Glimp on Thursday, uh, very importantly, on Thursday. And uh, it does remind me of that lovely scoreline last year. Was it 6 2 against uh, yeah. Roma? We covered that one. Um, an epochal result for Bodo Glimp. West Ham go to Anderlecht in the conference, in the uh, Europa League conference. Double header in Belgium again. And uh, Manchester United go to Ammonia. What can you tell me about why they are managed by Neil Lennon and play in green and white hoops? Well, all I will say is that it'll be the first time that I've ever watched Man United play a strain of virus, Ammonia. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about well, how Neil Lennon has popped up in a holiday resort, I imagine he was on the beach and someone offered him a job. Come and manage the local Celtic yeah. side. Yeah, that's what I'll I tribute that. 
maybe we can report back on that next week after you've been beaten there. <laughs> so that's the week in Europe for English teams. Um, we'll have more when we talk next time. And as for the league next weekend, uh, we've got another interesting full weekend in the Premier League. Nottingham Forest will be on Monday Night Football for the second week in a row against Aston Villa. We've already mentioned that Manchester United play under the lights away at Everton, a game that would ordinarily be Saturday lunchtime, but because of your European commitments has been moved. Um, I I hadn't actually realised that that was a thing this season. Is that just because of where United are travelling to? Or is that... Um, I think that's because... That must be because BT uh, had selected the game and they only have the uh, Saturday lunchtime slot. And then when you were involved on a Thursday, you can't obviously play on Saturday. So perhaps for that reason, they moved it to a slot that Sky doesn't own on Sunday. Interesting that BT that is my That is my own, supposition, yeah. yeah. That they would only want United and they couldn't pick another match that weekend. Yeah, of course, that's why, Nick. Yeah, it's always yeah. about you, yeah. But Sky have, of course, gone with Arsenal-Liverpool top of the table against, well, under pressure, Liverpool. Um, Interesting to hear how much Liverpool are talking about um, confidence in their post-match interviews. Klopp and some of the players seems to be an issue, definitely. Uh, I would love it. I would love it if they um, knocked the Gooners off their perch, though. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm really conflicted. That is quite a juicy game, that because I think the ask the the atmosphere at the Arsenal there on Sunday will be absolutely giddy. I think to borrow your word, they will be giddy, and I'd love to see that balloon popped. <laughs> Earlier on on Super Sunday, Leeds go to Crystal Palace. I mean, um, that's quite tasty. Well, go on, George, get well, it out. Why, why is that on Sunday, and why is it on TV? Like... <laughs> that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. That is a Saturday three o'clock if ever I saw one. Yeah, Alice I Leeds. agree. Um, I it just shows how untouchable any match involving Wolves is for the telebroadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't touch Chelsea Wolves over it's a match that literally needed to be moved or Palace yeah. at Leeds. I mean, that. even being a Leeds fan, I'd rather watch West Ham Fulham probably. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's weird. But yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So West Ham Fulham, obviously, on Sunday because of West Ham's European commitment. Um, Saturday tea time, we're away at Brighton. Nick, can you remind me how you characterised Brighton's new manager, Deserbi? What did you think was his previous life? Uh, He looks like a former new metal rocker from the 90s, someone who played Limp Biscuit covers. And I'm all for it. Not enough managers come rocking a perfectly clipped goatee. Yeah, interesting, yeah. Facial hair, that's for sure. A great result at Anfield in his first game. But yeah, we're going there. Um, I'm sure we're going to... Well, no, I'm not sure of anything, actually. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wind back on that one. Man City at home to Southampton. Is that maybe where we're going to triple captain Erlingham Ireland in fantasy football? Because Southampton are due another 9-0, aren't they? Especially if he's had the week off against Copenhagen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and um, Chelsea Wolves, as you mentioned, the return of Diego Costa is the narrative there, isn't it? Oh, interesting, yeah. But has Graham yeah. Potter been on telly yet with Chelsea in the Premier League? Not in the Premier League. No, that was actually his first uh, Premier League game in charge this weekend because he was announced uh, in the break and they didn't have a game on the partially cancelled match day eight. Yeah, and then we've also got uh, Newcastle at home to Brentford and Bournemouth at home to Leicester. Not much to say about those. I suppose we feel like Brendan Rodgers is a little bit more secure after tonight, George, with these goals raining in at Leicester. Yeah, 4-0 now. So he's safe, but I'm not convinced about Steve Cooper. 
We'll see in the morning. Man, well, he has a lot to juggle, doesn't he? That, that is the inevitable chant bringing around the King Power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I look forward to seeing you both again next Monday night uh, when we have more to chew over. Um, I wish you a good week. Um, back to regular action after all this um, upheaval of the last few weeks as we enter the reign of King Charles III. Topical. Thank you very much for being here, as always. Good night, Nick, and see you next week. Good evening. And good night, George. Thank you very much. Thank you.